Hello, this is Greg Pock, and you are listening to the Pockcast. A few months ago, I ran a Kickstarter for a digital book of Kickstarter advice called Kickstarter Secrets, which is slated for release at the end of the month. You can pre-order it right now at kickstarter-secrets.com. As stretch goals for that book, I interviewed a number of amazing Kickstarter creators. Now I'm running those interviews as a podcast series right here on the podcast. So here's the first interview with the amazing Amy Chu, writer of the Girls' Night Out Kickstarter anthology books and the current writer of Kiss and Red Sonia. Amy's got tremendous insights about sensible ways to run a Kickstarter when you're at a very early stage in your career, and she spills the beans on what her next big project might be. You can find Amy on Twitter and Tumblr under the name Amy Chu, A-M-Y-C-H-U. And here we go. Well, I'm very thrilled to be talking today to Amy Chu, um, who is uh, the person I always uh, uh, tell people to Google when they tell me they are starting off in comics and thinking about doing Kickstarters, etc. Uh, Amy is a person I met years, a few years back and um, when she was just starting in comics and then uh, I kind of blinked and then suddenly she had these uh, mini comics um, that she'd recruited folks to draw and she was running Kickstarters and uh, she was at every con I went to and every comics related event that I showed up at and she built a career step by step and now is uh, writing comics for hire for all kinds of publishers including DC and most recently Dynamite, am I right? With the kiss that's book right. that's right red sonia yeah, and kiss well uh first off huge high five amy and uh seriously i i uh i tell everybody to go look you up because wow. um, you're, like, you're like the you're like the role model for uh for, for systematically step-by-step breaking in um tell us a little bit about that process in and with a focus on how that led up to your launching your first kickstarter so um i i mean how how did you start writing comics and at what point did you think that Kickstarter was going to play a role in building your career? Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it, well, first of all, it's, it was all by accident. I didn't know or want desire to get into comics initially be, just because I didn't know. I did, I was just trying to help, uh, my, our, my friend or our mutual friend, Georgia Lee, yeah. um, do comics. So I was coming at it from the business side. And so that makes all the difference in terms of, um, like you said, syst- you know, being systematic and executing. I, I just didn't know that I could write creatively. So um, that's kind of like a short answer. But once I, 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 I started doing it, I really, really got into it. I really, really wanted to do it. And I wanted to do it well. I mean, so you had trained, I mean, you, you, you were, uh, you were you had a whole previous life as a as an executive and a business person, right? Well, yeah. Well, you know, just basically doing businessy things, you know, um, which you could sort of argue is creative. Uh-huh. But, you know, writing comics is a whole nother thing. And um, um, but but I have a different toolkit. You know, I have experience. Um, you know, running business in and um, you know building business. I guess you know, startups and things like that. So that's kind of, um, the whole thing with Kickstarter is that you suddenly you're, you're being an entrepreneur and, um, that's kind of stuff that I kind of already had, um, before writing comics. And I, you know, that's not, that's probably not the most normal thing, I guess, when you're entering comics, but it it came in handy really quickly. Yeah. So in terms of writing, had you, uh, I mean, had you been a writer, what, like while you were, while you were pursuing your, your job job, were you also a writer? Had you been doing creative stuff at the same time? No, no. I, well, creative, yes. Like business plans. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, you asked me to, to make your business sound good. Sometimes you have to be really creative. But but you, you that I mean that that actually kind of blows my mind. So you hadn't uh, you weren't like writing short stories or or no or... no no no. It's uh it's I mean you know I think I I wrote you know like when I'm in high school and stuff like that. You write bad poetry and things like that. Everyone sort of goes through some of that, right. but it was never uh, you know you you sort of come to the realization at least at that age you know there it's just bad goth poetry, you know? <laughs> and then when you get into college, it becomes all about, well, gosh, I got to pay off my student loans. And, you know, and I, I come from it, you know, I was born in the U S my parents are from China and they are very, um, it was never said you can't do things, but it was certainly also never presented. Hey, would you like to be a comics writer? You know? Right. Um, so no, I didn't, I, I didn't. That, so that also blows my mind too. in that, um, I just never knew I could write creatively. And then all of a sudden it's all coming out. Like, this. yeah. So what flipped the switch? What made you suddenly decide that you were going to write and not just do the business end of it? Um, you know what it was? It was the, uh, so Georgia, or my friend just thought it would be a great thing for me to learn how creative people work so I could manage the creative side better for our business. And so she, uh, encouraged me to take this online comics writing class. Oh, is this Andy's class? This is Andy Schmidt's class. Okay. And it honestly, it could have gone either way. Cause it's kind of like, well, it's, it's, you know, it, it makes sense. I, I should learn about how the comics are made. And, you know, and she was like, yeah, maybe you'll have fun at it, you know? And I'm like, well, yeah, it actually does sound kind of fun. Why not? You know? Um, <laughs> and, you know, when I wrote my first story, it was kind of like, yeah, there it is. There it's out there. And people liked it. And that's that's what flipped the switch is that, whoa, nobody's ever liked my business writing before. You know, you can make <laughs> charts as you want. Nobody's going to come up and say, wow, that really moved me. You know? Right, right. Uh, and then you write creatively, you write comics, and that's exactly what happened when people are like, yeah, I really, really liked what you did with that story. And then all of a sudden it becomes a thing, or at least with me, like, I need to get better at this. I need, I have more stories I can tell, I guess, <laughs> you know? Well, that's amazing. So, okay, so you, so you, you started writing and then you put together, you wrote these uh, short pieces um, and you recruited artists to draw them, right? Now, now, did that did that happen? Did you have the uh, that stuff drawn before you launched your first Kickstarter, or like what what was the process there? Oh, let me think. Okay, um, the, so the Kickstarter, my my first self published um, mini comic or comic, uh, you know, at that time I hadn't really thought about Kickstarter. It was just kind of like I need to do this and um, and get it out there. And then of course, when you pay the printer bill, then you started like wait. You know, maybe a kickstart is a good idea. So that that's kind of part of the thought process. But it was also the realization that it's not just about the money. It's about reaching new new readers. And Kickstarter was like, you know, there's a built in comics market in Kickstarter. And so it became a kind of a dual thing. It's not only is it helping me you know, it's basically pre-ordering, right? Um, you know, you're getting orders in for uh, people who are interested in reading, and it and it helps finance the comic along the way. Right, right. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of the thought behind it. So then, um, 
So you had uh, so so you did one comic first, one self-published comic first, and you started going to cons, and then for the next one you did Kickstarter. Is that was that what you're saying? Yeah, roughly. Um, I think what happened by that time. So, and you know, you learn along the way. Now I know. You know, you try to go as far as you can, really, because the the bottom line with a, a, I think a successful Kickstarter um, is is the execution part. So the more you can have done in advance, you know, I think the better off you are. Right. Because, you know, when you get down to the fulfillment aspect, you know, you want to try to stay as close to your timeline as possible. And a lot of times that's, um, you know, it's it gets harder and harder with the artist, you know, because they probably have other things happening and you may have things happening. And so it's generally a good idea. And and this is also the the uh, why I enjoy doing the short stories. A, it is. um for me, it, it's fascinating because I didn't. I had no idea it was really hard to do short stories, you know. So then, when you're like, you start doing it, and you get good at it. It's kind of cool, and you can also. Um, for me, I wanted to experiment with different genres, um, but really importantly is um, the artist. It's much easier for an artist to work on a short story and get it done. Right. So you get a book out much faster if you can, you know, kind of parallel process, right? <laughs> You're doing five stories, five different artists, and uh, you will get the artwork back quicker so, if you just work with one artist. Right. So Girls' Night Out was your first Kickstarter, right? Yes, it was. And uh, and you've done two, right? So you did you did yes. Girls' Night Out, Tales of New York, and then you did a follow up to it. Um, right. So what was the book that you did before that? Um, that was the, the first Girls' Night Out. The first oh. girl. Oh, yeah. right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, that was it. not a case started. That was just me, like. I, I wanted to, I, I have these short stories and I, and they were short, there were stories from Andy's class, you know, you, you write them. I'm like, well, now they're just, um, <laughs> they're just, you know, idea. They're not comics until they're actually printed. Right. So, so you had started going to cons with, uh, with your first self-published girls night out, the non Kickstarter project. Am I right? And so you had already started to build. Cons actually peddling George's book, Meridian city first. Oh, okay. yeah. And that's when it was kind of, well, things changed because the first year you're learning about the business and, um, you know, I, I basically, uh, edited and lettered her comic uh -huh. and basically marketed, but in doing so it's kind of like, okay, you know, by, uh, 2012, that's when I started doing my own books. Gotcha. And so at the time, so, so by the time you, you were ready to launch that Kickstarter, you had met a lot of people, you'd been to, you'd been to multiple cons and you had, a. Uh, you had you had, you'd already um, made a lot of contacts. What was your uh, what was your strategy when you launched that uh, first Kickstarter? Like, uh, tell us about your goal and wh okay. why you felt it was realistic. How yeah, many you know, um, part of it was again being realistic. I did a lot of I did <laughs> so geeky. I did a lot of research. I was looking at um, what. What what um, was a successful Kickstarter? And I, I mean, you know, basically, I was just going through the Kickstarter database, I guess, and, and I was looking at this. What are the Kickstarters that failed? You know, and I was trying to look for what were the attributes that made the Kickstarter successful, and what appeared to not work for the Kickstarters that never made it. And um, some of that was a, a, a reasonable goal, a financial goal. Mm -hmm. But I also noticed that the ones that didn't make it just uh, the 
the person behind it just, you know, there wasn't a lot of um, follow through in the marketing and getting enough support early on for their Kickstarter. So, uh, so that became the kind of thing where I was like trying to get a lot of internal support, like, you know, people I knew, professionals, people who had some credibility, or who also had some success with Kickstarters to kind of, you know, give me a little boost. Um, and, uh, and then also setting a reasonable financial goal, because, you know, I think there, the, the great danger is you see all these people making tons and tons of money off their Kickstarter and like, oh, you know, I'm going to make 80,000 off of my first Kickstarter. And that's just not realistic for somebody who is an independent creator who doesn't have a base yet, you know? Right. So your, your initial goal was 4,800, right? Um, I think for my first one, it was even more modest. It was like two twenty something, two thousand something. You know, I think the second one was um, four thousand eight hundred. Is that right? Uh, let me see. Well, I'm I'm looking at Tales of New York, and it says uh, five thousand two hundred ninety one pledged of a four thousand eight hundred. Yeah, goal. that was my second goal. My oh, first. Oh, gotcha. I'm looking at the wrong. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. So th th then you get more confident, right? <laughs> 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 You, you you can raise it and you can raise it even more um but you know part of it is the um you know you, th this is this like uh, you know i'm working i'm i'm going to do a third kickstarter now once i get all these other projects out of the way um but now i know you know i have more currency people know me as a writer and i have dc marvel credit so right. i feel you know if i if you were to ask me to plan out my kickstarter right now you know, I would approach it differently. But when you you don't have anything, and especially you know now you know my secret. I didn't even start off as a writer. You know, <laughs> uh, you you have to look at it differently, and and it's just not realistic unless unless this is I found this so fascinating. You know, when I was going through, if you choose a specific genre that people love, yeah, you know, um, or and or it. Is some way dealing with porn? You can raise the you can raise that number. You don't have to do that. I mean, I'm doing you know, Girls Night Out, which is anthology, which everyone said you know, the conventional wisdom says does not sell, and it's short stories that are essentially more or less slice of life. Again, not the sexiest topic, um, but there's a market for it. So you know, I, I basically you know set my um, goal at I think tw you know twenty five hundred around that. Um, and so, so, so then, and and then, and then, on a practical level, tell me how you, like, when you launched, who who did you have in your pocket? Like, what kind of press did you have lined up? Did you have any press lined up? Uh, no, you know what? And that, this is sort of a, a couple years back, and I have to, I'm like sort of scrolling back in my, you know, <laughs> my brain archive. Right. Um, you know what? It's really more about social media. Mm -hmm. I, I did notice that press does not like conventional press. Like I know some people want to send out a press release and things like that. Just didn't seem that effective to me. Um, especially being somebody who nobody even knows who I am really. Right. Um, right. And, and not to say that you shouldn't do press. You should do as much press as you want for you as your as an entrepreneur, as a brand, as a, you know, as a writer or an artist. Um, but for the actual Kickstarter pledges, I don't think it really moves the needle that much. I think it is, a lot of it is the word of mouth or the, t the artwork or the type of story you're selling that really gets people to pledge in the Kickstarter. Um, it's also really interesting. Like, um, sure, I ask people, you know, you, you can ask people to plug your Kickstarter as much as you want. 
but um, it's who's plugging it also makes a difference. Mm -hmm. um, I had some people who were really, really awesome, you know, well-known creators who would plug, um, and I get nothing. But if it was a different creator with a kind of a slightly different fan base, I would get like ten pledges. Right. Right. Yeah, it was you know ten new backers because of of um, that kind of chemistry, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it was, it, you know, now I know kind of it's important who you ask, you know, uh, to plug you versus just like everyone in the world. You know? Totally. That's a incredibly smart um, assessment. I think that's really true uh, that, you know, and the same thing goes for press. Sometimes I would get um, really amazing press from really big venues and then there'd be very little impact and then sometimes sometimes like you know and then sometimes a, a a blog that maybe i had never even heard of before would interview me and i'd see 10 20 pledges roll in so it's uh it's it's about figuring out just as you say figuring out where that chemistry is um on a practical level when you were um pulling in uh when you were sort of getting launching for the first time how many like what's your estimate of how many uh Twitter followers you had, for example, at that point, and you know what were your resources that you built yeah, up at that at point? At that time, I was really—I um, mean, I'm still—you know—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm at a respectable what's? Oh, I'm over six thousand now, mm -hmm. but when I when I was doing that, I uh, the Kickstarter, I think I was under a thousand mm -hmm. at that time, and, and that took me forever. You know, you, you're like like. Uh, once you get on Twitter and I know it's frustrating, um, you know, it's different for you, of course, but you know, for, you know, I'm sort of talking to people out there who are, uh, just getting into all of this and it is a huge investment in trying to tweet and build a, a, a follower base is, is really tough initially. Um, and you know, you want that to help you with your Kickstarter as well, but it, it goes both ways. I think that by doing a Kickstarter, I also ended up with more followers. Yeah. So, um, but at that time, I'm I'm gonna guess I was I was at a couple hundred, maybe like six hundred. I'm not I'm not entirely positive. Yeah. The you know one thing that just occurs to me though is that those folks who were following you at that point mm -hmm. were probably folks you had met at cons or friends. You know, folks who were yeah. uh, and who had, who had seen your work, folks who were following you because they really dug what you were doing. And so when you came to them, you know, when you announced your project this you know the girls night out project they they had they had already seen your your first girls night out but you you had the prime i mean that may just be 600 people that seems like small compared to what other folks might have but those are probably among your most uh i mean that was your perfect target audience for this right right so these are a lot of them are other creators and this is the thing and you know it's not a zero sum game. You know, there are a lot of us people who, who are trying to do the same thing and we support each other and that's really important, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've noticed that you have, uh, you've backed 118 Kickstarter projects. Um, well, that's it, the other thing. I backed a lot of people, you know, you try to get some good karma there. Yeah. You know? And also you learn when you back other people. You, you, you see their updates, you, know, you see what works. It, it looks great, but I'm also a little more mercenary than that. <laughs> 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 you know, it's a learning thing. I like to see, A, I, I want to support other people, but, you know, I it, it helps me learn how people communicate with their backers. Yeah. Being backer, you know? That's cool. And, and not everyone can do that, you know? this is a, That was a period where I'm coming off of, 
you know, a business career and I'm like, I need, I'm, I'm transitioning to comics and I just want to do everything I can to get up to speed. And, you know, it was a good learning opportunity. And also, um, you know, being a backer does, it, it gives you a different perspective. I think when you sort of roll in and say, I'm going to do this Kickstarter, I don't really know what it's like to be on the other side, give me your money, you know, versus now I've been a backer on multiple projects. I understand what people are looking for, right. you know? So what's your, uh, uh, okay. So you, you, um, you ran the Kickstarters. You, I, did you have a point where you were panicking or worried about whether or not you were going to make your goal and, and, uh, like oh, yeah, you know, it, sure. It's not panic. It's really more like once you enter, okay. It's a little like, um, labor, <laughs> <laughs> You know, because you got that period of time. It's a definitive period of time. You know, you know, you've you set the goal and you're just kind of like, um, you know, the the progress can be slow. Sometimes you get zero. There's not no progress in like an entire week. You right. know, and whatever you're trying to do is um not moving things along and you want things to move along. Um, uh, but if you set your goal correctly, I think it's less of the panicky thing. Right. Um, sometimes. Um, so, but, so what, what kinds of things were you doing along the way to kind of, to goose it, you know, like if, when, when you felt like it needed, uh, you know, that, that things were slowing down. Well, social media is incredibly important and the right type of social media. Um, the, um, you know, there, there's uh, just uh, oh, oh, you know what? The uh, also the rewards. It's just sometimes having the right mix of rewards and adding stuff to make it to to sort of you're, you're basically creating a narrative with your Kickstarter, mm -hmm. and um, you're you're also the content is kind of important. So I think sometimes there are people who just maybe following it, but not they haven't pulled the trigger. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and maybe halfway through, there's nothing going on, but you add an exciting reward. They may not even be interested in that particular reward, but it adds more content to say, oh, let me look at that Kickstarter again. Right. I'm not interested in that particular one, but uh, yeah, you know what? Why not? Let's just go go in for like the $10 reward at this point. You know, you sort of have to create um, opportunities for engagement. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I think there were people, and this this is without any data whatsoever. I think this is just consumer behavior. Is that you either pull the trigger right away, or you need to create the opportunity or a deadline for people to to engage with you. Right. So, um, and frequently that's the deadline where it's like, okay, this is your last chance because this Kickstarter is ending. Right. Uh, you will typically see a bunch of people and, and there's always people months later. It's like, Oh man, I didn't even know that was going on. I didn't even realize it ended. I would have, you know, backed it. Right. Um, this is why the deadline part and just letting people know that it's happening. And when you need to pull the trigger by is very important. Right. What's an, what's a practical example of, um, of a uh, of of one of those opportunities for engagement you created, like was there a reward that you added midway that you can remember that that worked? Uh, uh, you know what I try to do with the rewards is make them really fun. Mm -hmm. You know, because um, you you sort of go through, and a lot of people follow the same recipe, and it's just their their book or um, original art. 
which is all, you know, that's the point, right? You know, to, to get the book into people's hands in some format, whether it's PDF or print. Um, but I also, at that point, because I had gone to a lot of conventions and made a lot of friends and people were very nice about supporting. Uh, so I try to do more fun things like, you know, like you're, I, I asked you to help me out by having a breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think people like that because it, it, you know, they they look at it as like, oh, that's that's different, right? Yeah, and it was fun too, right? Um, and I was looking for things that were fun for the people who are also offering, you mm-hmm. know, to help out. So, um, you know, you don't want to ask people. You know, it's like the the you know when you ever you do like some kind of charity event and people ask you, can you donate this or that, and it becomes kind of a drag after a while if you know it's like it's got to be easy for the person who's offering right you know right. and hopefully fun so i was kind of looking for just you know little little things like that so did you pay your uh, collaborators on these projects yes yes of course gotcha I w- yeah if you i yeah, and that's the thing you know i i paid but at that point i didn't really it, it's not like i can't pay market rate right you know, for if I were to do a Kickstarter now, it's different, you know. But absolutely, um, I would not do anything where you're raising money and you don't pay people. Because yep. a, a, it's just kind of like, eh, what do you, what are you doing? You know, if if it was me and straight up collaboration with somebody else, and we all taking the same financial risk, we go in it together. That's one thing. Yeah. Um, but this is this is you know, I'm I'm asking these people to draw you know and it's not it's not their script so um so that so i i spent a lot of time budgeting i factored in how much and you know um i needed to pay people and uh cost of fulfillment and mailing all that stuff so absolutely it's uh you know and i didn't pay myself i lettered you know i could have paid myself a lettering grade (laughs) you know all that money essentially went to um the artists and the printing. Gotcha. So, um, the uh, tell us uh, what was the most challenging part of the actual campaign. Um, the most challenging part of the campaign, I, I would say, the fulfillment part is really the most challenging. You gotcha. know, it's after the campaign ends, then you you you're on the hook. Right. Once you're on the hook, you know, you, you're you're being an entrepreneur, and you're being you you got to be the uh, everything, the the business person, and the you know the, all the budgeting stuff. That was easy. It's just like getting stuff out to people um, is a whole nother challenge. Now, did you did you did you fulfill everything yourself? Were you the one who packed everything yeah, I up? Yeah, everything myself. And you know what? There's there's a certain you know, it's, there's, there's a certain joy in that. It's very tangible because it's sort of like, I actually like mailing stuff directly to somebody because, I mean, you gave me your money. I feel like now I'm giving you back something special. So I try to make it kind of personalized. Right. You can initially, you know, but then when you start getting into more and more, you know, for a small Kickstarter campaign, sure. Um, but then I realized how hard it was, you know. Um, so for the second Kickstarter, I, I, what I did was I rejiggered it. I try to focus, I try to make the digital, um, rewards much more appealing. Oh uh, yeah. Right. So you would have less, less so, stuff to mail. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it's not that I don't want to do, I mean, the physical part is what makes me happy, but it's really hard for one person to do. Right. And I really like the idea of outsourcing so much, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it makes, it totally makes sense for a a huge project. Like if you've got a thousand packages to send out. 
you know, I do feel like there's a certain intimacy in this, you, you know, with Kickstarter. I, I really like this idea of crowdfunding. It's a very, you know, the, these are, this is not venture capital or somebody coming in and say, here, you know, these are, these are people who are placing their trust in you to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And they, they're backing a book that they've never seen or heard of, you know. Right. So did you use a uh, special, did you use like Indicia, uh, a postage software like that um, when you were? No, I actually, um, uh, I did, I did have someone help me um, a little bit, but then I realized I actually like to do, it's so micromanaging. I kind of like to do it myself. Like people who got their rewards, I kind of like, I try to do some little ink stamps and things like that. You know, right. I'm sure if I were going to do it again, I'd have to think that through how I'm going to do it. But. Well, I mean, but, but just in terms of like printing your postage and everything, did you, did you just take it to the post office or did you do I just did it in the post office. Oh, okay, I, just, gotcha. I just did it in batches. And that's the thing people have to realize is um and again if you take that that approach and I'm I'm talking about regular people, you know, <laughs> where you you, you know, you, realistically uh doing it that way if you have a couple hundred backers, you can do it yourself. Mm-hmm. But once you, I, I would say once you get into several hundred thousands, you, you really got to choose a different different approach because when you go to the post office especially if you've got a lot of um international backers that takes time out of your day like every every little package that you prepare is going to take you at least 15 minutes to do you you Um, know you know what that's and i was in that same boat uh because um uh i was doing like uh follow-up packages for folks right. who had you know had had problems like we, we used a fulfillment house for most of the stuff for code monkey for almost everything for code monkey and princess who saved herself and everything um but then uh but then i do follow-up packages and yeah those international packages were killing me but i was talking to hope nicholson and she was she said the magic word indicia and it's this program you can download this program mm-hmm. and um print your own postage and you can automate so much i mean you do a template for your international packages okay. And it makes it so much easier. It's crazy. Great tip. This yes. is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, those international packages are killer. You know, <laughs> the other thing, standardizing stuff, you know. Um, like I think I also realized for some of the things, I just made sure it was uh, the right size and um, for the um, priority mail packages where yeah. the box, you just basically put in the box, seal it, boom, you're done. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the trick, of course, is to make sure that the, the U.S. post office doesn't raise their rates on that <laughs> <laughs> between the time that you close your Kickstarter and you start, you know, sending things out. Oh, did that happen to you? Uh, I, I kind of knew. I've heard stories about that. So I added a little buffer. But oh, sure, good. of course, it, it did. That, it def- definitely did happen. Yeah, that, but I was yeah. fine. But if you if you're blindsided by that, you know, that's why I always tell people, you know, just just add a little extra in your budget because stuff like that will happen yep totally um so uh so now you you're talking about doing a, a third kickstarter you were uh, you, you mentioned that before um yes. you want to you want to tease anything about what you're thinking yeah, about sure. with that? And, and and i i sort of been teasing and i feel really bad because this was mentioned last year but then you know i mean i can't complain you know because i got i got poison ivy and i got red sonia and all this stuff going on but i really really wanted to do a food and comics anthology oh and so it's been in the hopper, and I've been getting stuff in slowly, um, but it, I, it hasn't reached the critical mass where I can announce it and say, hey, you know, this is this is what I'm doing. But, yeah, absolutely, that that is going to be kickstarted because I think it's kind of special, and it appeals to two audiences, you know, the food people and the comics people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. Um, 
That's really cool. You can have like some some recipes and that kind of stuff in there. Yeah, as well. exactly. What it is is because you know over the course of um, working in comics and meeting cool people, everybody likes to eat, and everyone <laughs> has a favorite food story or a recipe. So I leave it up to the creator. You know, I'm like, and I want to make it really, really just interesting and diverse. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been getting. I just got a recipe um, from Ramon Gill for adobo. For his oh, favorite. cool! Yeah, um, and of course, and they illustrate it. And um, dude, and I, I I will totally contribute to that if you want another you contributor. Can, please, you know, <laughs> I you, it's uh, you know it's it, I, I feel so snobby. It's like yeah, you know, definitely all my friends. You know, I want them <laughs> in this book. Um, I, I didn't want to do an open call because I think that's just a that's just going to be too much for me to handle right yeah, now. Yeah, it's a lot of work it, to do that kind of. Yeah, and I don't want to have to tell people no. Right. You know? <laughs> Um, and it's also different because um, now that I've done all the girls' night outs and learning like things like um, templates and printer dimensions and things like that, this is something I just want to be a lot more organic. Um, and so it's going to be a little trickier to fulfill. But, um, you know, I'm telling people they can do different dimensions. Oh, We're, I see. That's yeah, this is going to be something that we can package in a box. Oh, so it's going to be like a bunch of different pages and papers so imagine like a collection of little zines and little posters oh maybe even an object i know right <laughs> that's i mean that's really special that's going to be a huge fulfillment challenge though that's a huge fulfillment but because of that we're going to make this limited it's not going to yeah. be like you know i mean I, I have to cap it and i think that makes it even more special right? yeah, yeah 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 totally that's cool yeah that's cool. so that's 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 what I'm thinking. Very interesting. Well, that's cool. Um, so what's the, uh, uh, what, are you going to do anything differently? Uh, like what, what kind of things have you learned from the first two that, that are going to change your strategies for the third? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I think I, I think I need to be a little more risk taking, you know, I tend to really think things through and I think the, the market has changed as well. So I think we can do more like this, this just the format itself, I think is kind of risky for me, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's a little more un unconventional, but I think people like that. You know, I think that uh, uh, when we put it out there, it's like, whoa, this is different. You know, before I was trying to be more conforming in a little way. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to put out the best professional comic that an indie person can do. <laughs> right. Well, you know, but that's that, that, that fits your goals at that time because you were, you know, looking to break in into mainstream comics, right? Yeah. Now I want to do this as a, uh, this food and comics as more of a collaborative thing that, you know, let's push the boundaries. You know, I think we as, uh, you know, mainstream comics creators uh, sort of have to, stay within a certain universe. But once you go into Kickstarter and you can do your own thing, it's like, hey, I'm going to actually take away even the format part for you guys. Let's do something really fun. Right. You know? That's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, the uh, are, are you going to uh, – do you think you'll end up – well, I guess it depends on what scale it ends up being. Would you work with a fulfillment house? Is that something you consider or would you still try to ship everything yourself? Um, I'm still thinking, I, I, you know what, I think I'm going to ship everything myself. Yep. You know, it's part of it is, this is the wonderful thing about Kickstarters. People give you a lot of leeway, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you manage their expectations. Right. 
And Did, I think that's really important. Right. Were you able to deliver your previous ones like on time or close to your, your target? Well, or? I would say it, this is the thing. You know, I think you can do it so that it's like 90% of it ships out on time. Mm-hmm. But there's always the problematic ones for whatever reason. Typically, they're the uh, the, the rewards that uh, involve art or something special or something customized. Right. Um, an unbelievable number of people also just forget they, they move. Oh, and they right. Things like that. I, I, I haven't had huge, huge problems. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, for the most part, I think. You know, your, your standard stuff, the stuff that's easy to do goes out on time. Everyone's happy. But the ones that are more special, people recognize that it's going to take more time or it's it's taking longer because it's on their end, you know. Right, because you're waiting for addresses or whatever. Well, did, mm-hmm. did you, um, uh, like, how do you manage that, like, as a whole? Like, if you know something is going to be late, do you, do you send updates and how do you? Uh, yeah, it's critical to um, do updates for people. Um, and just let them know. Not too many, though. This is the thing. Now it's it's gotten very cluttered, and, and because I, I back so many, it's like after a while, it's just like I don't need any more updates, especially if there's no um, no update to offer that's significant in right. any way. You know, you don't need to update and just say, hey, you know, just want to let you know I haven't died. You don't need to do that. You know, um, you should update people with important news, or maybe something's different, or. Um, uh, I like to, uh, and if I do an update, I like to make it a little fun, you know, like if I, if, like, for example, for the second one, I think there was a hiccup on something. Things were a little slow or something. I, I don't exactly remember, but I was like, you know what, let me do something special. I did like a, I pulled, uh, oh, I, I think I did some sketch cards. I asked some of my friends to do sketch cards and I uh, asked my kids to pull some randomly, you know, just as a kind of fun thing to do. Okay. So people were waiting. They were like, hey, I got something extra for you. you oh, know? that's, yeah. You know, that's really, we did that similar kind of thing because uh, Code Monkey ran uh, a couple of months late. Um, all my fault because as we expanded the page count, I did, forgot to, you know, think about how that would affect schedule. R- right. Dumb rookie mistake. But, but yeah, as we, you know, as, as we realized that was happening, whenever I did an update, I tried to, um, particularly if it was an update where we had, um, you know, when we had those delays, um, I did, I, I definitely was trying to give people something, you know, like I, I gave folks uh, PDFs of some of my um, previous, uh, like a, a, a book that Tak and I had collaborated on, my artist Tak, Takeshi Miyazawa, you know, so there was just a little bonus as a thank you and an apology, you know, but that. And I, I, I did, I, I, that, exactly. I, I think there's a danger of apologizing too much. In right. That I think people do. They're supporting you not because you're like some well-oiled machine, you know. Um, it's it, stuff happens, you know. It's just that when you're not communicative and it takes over, you know, a year and you haven't heard and you're you're worried about it, right? You know, um, cool. All right. Um, well, let me move into the. Uh... Let's move into the, uh, <laughs> the the big final the, the big final wrap up questions here. What is the smartest thing you've ever done on a Kickstarter? Well, smartest thing I've ever done. Um, the, to me, the the smartest thing is really just planning everything right from the start. Right, having everything set up, and so that uh, to me is like the budgeting. Is it super important to get that out of the way mm-hmm. and done correctly? Um, 
I know that's not like a huge revelation. No, that's but that's that's so key, right? What uh, when you when it comes to budgeting specifically, are there any particular tips you talked about like overestimating? Is there any like 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 uh, anything specific about how you put those budgets together that made them work for you? Um, I think there is there there is a great you know I, people get really worried about the budget. They're like, I'm not a numbers person or whatever. What it is is making sure you cover every single line item. Think about it from from the start to the finish, what you're going to have to put money out for mm -hmm. and, and just being really systematic about it. People forget about the cost of envelopes, you right. know, that can add up if you're like, Oh wait, this has to go out in a padded envelope. That's going to add, yep. you know, to that. And if it's a rigid thing, that's also going to add to your postage. Yep. So it's all that stuff. So, uh, at a certain point, and I, 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 I like to tell people this. And again, we're not talking like your, your scale with code, code monkey, but your average person who probably only has a couple hundred maybe to send out, go to the post office and get their advice first, you know, and say, this is, this is what you're thinking and not being stuck on the um, exact format of what you're doing. Because if you talk to post office and say, oh my God, you're doing that square and you're doing that size, you're going to increase your costs by X amount. And so if you just size it down an inch or two, you could save yourself a lot of money, you there know? You and that has to be done ahead of time, right? Because once you've promised it. You've got a plan, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. not, you can just kind of like, I'm just going to do this, you know? <laughs> it's an investment of your life. And then you don't want any unpleasant surprises when all you're trying to do is do your book, right? Right. Is that, is that, is that one of the reasons you did uh, Girls, uh, Girls Night Out as sort of in that sort of digest size rather than the full size? Was it post- it was very calculated. I know uh -huh. people are like, that's really cute. We love the format. It's it's ultra portable, but it's also half the cost to print and a lot cheaper to ship. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, uh, actually, while we're on it, who did you use as a printer? Okay, so here's the thing. I think a lot of people get worried about this, this whole thing about printing, getting the right printing, everything. I, I've actually used maybe four different printers, all with the same results. Okay. Uh, yeah, because bottom line, the technology is the same. They're all using the same kind of equipment. Uh -huh. The difference is, uh, especially if you're new at this, is in the pre-press. You know, um, so you talk to other creators and you find out who they're using, but the pre-press, they're going to catch the mistakes. You know, the mistakes are likely not going to be the printer. It's going to be you because you gave them the files and maybe some things were swapped out wrong or maybe there was, you oh. know, a little, not enough bleed, that kind of stuff. Right, right. So the right, right printer will catch all that stuff and say, hey, hey, you know, you're going to have this problem. Um, and typically, there are also people who uh, have done some comics before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, um, find, yeah, right. Find a, find a printer who's done this kind of work before, not yeah, just Yeah, and because they're going to be a lot more tolerant. If it's your first book, it is like your first baby, and you're like, but what about this? What about this? They don't want to deal with that because they've got other corporate clients who don't ask all these questions, you know? Um, so it's good to work with somebody who who's who's sympathetic and who's worked with um, other creators before. And um, and there are quite a few of those, you know? You don't have to wed yourself to one. Would you, um, would you who would you, if, if you were asked right now, who would you, well, I'm asking you, who would you recommend? I can't, I can't do that now because it's been a couple of years. Oh, okay, gotcha. It's so right. funny how things change, right, you know? Right, 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 right. Uh, I, I would love to, um, but uh, I, you know, um, but, and it also depends if it's uh, like like my digest size versus a regular floppy, um, and the uh, 
the amount that you're printing up or whether it's a hardback. I think there's just different, different, different. There's a lot more options out there than you know. Right. Gotcha. Really. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. So then the next big question is what was your biggest mistake? Oh, biggest mistake. Biggest mistake. Um. I'd like to say I didn't make any mistakes. <laughs> no, it's not true. Of course, you always you always sort of go back and you're like, okay, I could have done. You know, um, I think my 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 biggest mistake really is not realizing, even though I plan I I plan so much, is how much it takes out of you. You know, it really is kind of, right. I mean, it it's it is almost like a second job. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, and. Um, it's almost like run. I don't want to say it's like running a marathon, um, but you kind of have to be mentally prepared for it. Yeah, I remember uh, talking to a friend who'd run a Kickstarter uh, shortly before we launched uh, Code Monkey, and I and I asked him, you know, like how much time it took him, and he said, "Yeah, I was working on it six hours a day." And I was like, "What?" And uh, he, actually, I think he said four hours a day, and I was like, "What? I, really?" Um, you know, then Code Monkey starts. I'm working on that thing four to six hours every day. You know, what I mean? it's like it's it's real. You know, it's your thing, but you at a certain point you're like, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> that's cool. Um, did you? Uh, uh, and of course, you know, and we we sort of we set those goals for ourselves in a way. You we know do. What I mean? We do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like you can, uh, like I remember being on a panel with you actually once when I was talking about how crazy we were with Code Monkey, and I was kind of like, I think I was scaring people a little bit with this notion that it's going to consume your life for an entire month, um, uh, you know, twenty four seven. And you were kind of like, or not necessarily. I mean, like, like that, that if you are, you know, like if you're kickstart, if you make your goal. Um, you know, if you're on track to make your goal, yes, you want to do everything you can to make that goal, but it's also like how crazy you're going to go with, uh, stretch goals and, you know, like right. it's sort of yeah. your choice, how far you go beyond it is that. your choice, you know, and I think sometimes we feel we need to do all these extra things and you don't really, part of it is, um, your, um, it has to be fun for you too. You yeah. know, why are you doing this? You know, and I, I try to think about it in a way as like me uh, interacting with people I don't I, I don't get to on a regular basis, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and it's a good opportunity to learn from your backers too, like what they're interested in and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it can get crazy. And I think that's when you kind of have to rein it in a bit, you know, not that you shouldn't, um, give more stuff to your backers. Um, but you also have to think about your own mental health <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and I don't want to scare people off from doing it cause you should, you know, uh, if you're a responsible human being, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're just kind of like, this is just about the cash, don't do it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, it's I, also, it's also that notion that any kick, like if you've planned it right, if you hit your goal, you, that's a, it's a massive success to hit your goal. You know, like you get to make your project that, that, that's yeah. awesome. You know, so, yeah. uh, and it's, yeah, it's a thrill if you can double your goal or go beyond that. Um, you and if you can add more stuff in What's that? Yeah. Think about what you're, why you're doing this. Yeah, you know, exactly. I think you kind of have to, uh, you know, stay on target while you're, when you're going through your campaign of like, again, why are you doing this? You know, right. and, um, and also think about why people are backing you. Right. Connected to that, how key has Kickstarter been to building your career? Like, would you be where you are now without having done these Kickstarters? 
Oh, uh, you know what? That's an interesting question. I don't think so because those Kickstarters funded um, my, not just funded, but gave me a fan base for my writing right. that I didn't know existed before. And uh, had, let's say my Kickstarter failed, um, I probably would not have like had the, the, the balls to go and say, like, you know, I think I could write for Marvel and DC and stuff. You know what I mean? Right. I yeah. mean, if, if things had not gone that way, had I not Kickstarted or anything, you know, it would have been a nice hobby. And I'm like, you know what? That was that was interesting. That was an interesting phase of my life, you know? <laughs> well, it, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because... Um, you know, sometimes with small amounts, you know, maybe that's money you could have scrounged up elsewhere. But if you'd done that, you wouldn't have made all those contacts with all those fans, all those readers. And also um, having a successful Kickstarter gets you out. I mean, it, it, there are I'm sure there are editors who noticed those Kickstarters, not just Definitely. noticed you at cons, but then saw that you would run these successful Kickstarters. And that said something to them. I had some editors backing my Kickstarters, and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, you know." Oh, right, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that is that was interesting, um, and yeah, so I would say no, you know, if I had I let's say I had not done the Kickstarters or not actually it. it you know, for especially someone like me, it gave me a lot of confidence. Wow, people really like what I write. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a huge uh, adrenaline rush, and it makes you want to write more. But if you don't get that encouragement, people don't back your Kickstarter, you kind of take it personally. It's like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not that good. You know? <laughs> yeah, so just on an emotional level, it's a nice yeah. affirmation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, because again, I'm, I'm different. I didn't start off saying, I want to write comics, and I want to... Um, you know, work for Marvel and DC, you know, you can, you can do that in a different way. You don't have to go and kickstart things. You know, I was doing it because I, I needed to, and I wanted to, but not because it was uh, part of like the master plan. Right. Interesting. So, um, it became part of the master plan, plan, but you know, initially you're just kind of doing it because it's a thing to do. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You try something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also, uh, uh, that's a key point too, is that, um, whatever this project is, isn't, it's not your last project. It's not your only project. And, no, uh, being no. able to kind of think of things that way will keep things in perspective and also lets you come up with a reasonable goal. You know, like, uh, when I was in film school, we all had feature films we wanted to make and, um, we kind of treated every project like it was the last thing we'd ever do. And in a way you kind of have to do that emotionally in a way, you know, just to kind of, you know, doing any creative project is hard and you have to just like commit to it and get out there and make it happen. But, um, but I had a professor who was just amazing and he would always say, this is not your epic. You know, like we were working on right. a, a four, right. a four minute short film, you know, and he's like, don't spend $10,000 on a four minute short film. Not that anybody was doing that, but, uh, but I, yeah, you're right. I think there's a tendency for people like this, this, this is my lifelong achievement. This is my Lord of the Rings, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's not, you know, and people, uh, you can you can do you can you, you need to be flexible you can course correct you know if things are not going the right way um maybe you have to change your page count as long as you're open about it and let people know you know yeah, yeah. but that kind of step-by-step thing just even uh, the notion of this one kickstarter is a step there'll be another like it does this does not the, your first kickstarter doesn't have to be an 80 page graphic novel your first page kickstarter right. can be you know uh, that that 12 that 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 20 page you know uh, one shot, you know, and it, it, let, <laughs> pick something that, that matches, uh, where you're at and, uh, think of it as a step. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So, uh, last question, just open-ended. Do you have any last nuggets of advice for anybody thinking about doing a Kickstarter? Um, 
you really look at other people's Kickstarters and, you know, and, and see what went right for them and what works for you and cherry pick. I mean, I really believe in best practices, you know, and, right. and looking at um, uh, and, and just crib what you need from um, things that have worked for other people and what have not worked. And I think that was important for me. Even just looking at how they structure their rewards and their page, you know, I think there's sometimes people just load it up with all sorts of stuff. People are really bad about scrolling down, I think, Hmm. you know. Um, and, and I, and I also really believe don't, you know, there's a lot of like absolutes out there. You must do this. You must have a video, you must do all that. I, I, I rarely believe that everything must be done a certain way. You do what works for you, you know, and, um, and I, you know, just being totally concise and it's, and, and unfortunately it's not all about you, you know, it's, you can go on about how you want to do this and this and this and this, you know, um, you need to stick to, this is, this is the project, you know, this is what, you know, what's awesome about it. You know, it doesn't have to be your lifelong ambition right out there on the page. Oh, <laughs> right. You mean in terms of like talking about the project, like you, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, uh, you know, um, the, the, the projects that, seem to get a lot of traction and funding it's just the cool concept it's not because it's you it's because it's cool right you know yeah that uh, yeah you're compelling people as well oh and as a side did you i can't remember did you do videos for your uh for your projects i wrestle with i hate i hate being on camera i'm terrible at it i and i was like you have to do a video and i didn't and it worked fine the oh. second time i was like okay i guess i'll do a video because everyone says i must do a video and i i hated it I just did. Um, and if you can do it, I think it's good, but you don't, cause I think some people put a lot, a lot of effort into it. What it is, is, and I didn't realize this, you know, I, I tend to, I read everything, but a lot of people watch. Yeah. Everybody so learns in a different information way. Information from the video. So that's why it's important. But then, you know, then it gets into all the bells and whistles and things like that. You don't necessarily need that. Um, yeah, I was talking to Jimmy Palmiotti and, uh, he, it's, I mean, it it always, it kind of cracks me up because I've seen both of you so many times on panels (laughs) and and in public and you guys are amazing, um, you know, in public and speaking, but, but he is also uncomfortable putting himself on camera. And he said that he's, so he does, when he does videos, he just does, he just shows art, you know, he he gets, he gets some, some, he clears some music. He, 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 uh, cuts some, uh, uh, images. He basically makes a trailer. Yeah, yeah. Is that funny? He's such a gregarious person. But yeah, (laughs) I mean, same thing. I like to talk to people face to face, but on camera, it just feels so weird, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and figuring out just what works with your comfort level, I think, is so key. Um, But that's awesome, Amy. Any 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 last thoughts before we wrap? was a lot of fun and you know i mean I, I i wish we could just sort of talk more like you know coffee talk because i i think i could learn so much from you from all your kickstarters oh and, well, well we'll 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 have to get together uh, and actually have some coffee yeah <laughs> <laughs> but or i'll have tea because as you know i don't drink coffee right it's right a, it's a shocking shocking confession loses no, me fans no, wherever no, i go no. Um, we're going to have to do some kind of coffee versus tea thing for this um, food and tonics anthology. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I, uh, I, um, that, that's, uh, <laughs> you've got me, I'm, I'm, I'm babbling because my mind is spinning with this, uh, this food thing. Cause I, I have, I have these recipes that I've been thinking about doing something comics wise with. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very we'll, tempted. We'll, we'll talk about that. Cause I can see this being like an ongoing, if it works well, oh, yeah. we can do like part two, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be your, the, the new niche. It's going to be the thing, you know, exactly. 
that's awesome. All right, Amy, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. And that's it for today's podcast. We'll be back soon with another interview. In the meantime, feel free to check out kickstartersecrets.com and visit Amy at Amy Chu on Twitter and Tumblr. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Information in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Pac-Man Productions does not guarantee or warrant the accuracy, appropriateness, completeness, safety, or usefulness of any information. In particular, nothing in this podcast should be taken as legal advice or legal opinion. Users are always advised to consult with a lawyer regarding any legal question. The opinions expressed by interviewees are theirs alone and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Greg Pac or Pac-Man Productions. All content copyright 2016 Pac-Man Productions. Music composed and performed by David Libby. DavidLibby.net. D-A-V-I-D-L-I-B-B-Y dot net.